Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Thanks to Inside Golf. Hello and welcome to Backspin, brought to you by Inside Golf Magazine, Australia's number one most read golfing publication. In fact, I think it's the most read publication across the universe, Gary. Barter is with me. Steve Anderson isn't. Good morning, guys. How are you, mate? You've been everywhere, mate, haven't you? Oh, no. I've been to America four times this year and London once. Since we last spoke, you've been around the globe, basically. Yeah, I'm living on a plane. Tulsa, Oklahoma, London. Here we are back in Barrel, Gary, and you've got a lot to tell us about your journeys. Yep. Um, fascinating to, to hear what you were saying earlier about live golf. You were there with three players. Yeah, three members of the Australian Golf Club. All playing in the in the live golf. There's only 48 in the whole thing. Yeah, that was amazing. It was Ke- great. Kevin Wan's journey, That's that's. I want to hear about that. That's, that's brilliant. We're going to be looking at the new King 3D printed putters from Cobra. Fascinating. I've tried one. I love the feel of them. The mechanics and the science behind them is, is, is mind-blowing. I don't know enough about them to explain it on air, so we're going to get Matt Hetrick from Cobra Golf to have a talk to us about these brand-new putters. That will be fascinating, just listening to the explanation of how they put together, how they're made. 3D. Quality looks amazing. <laughs> have you seen one? Yeah, I'm looking they're, at it now. They're crazy things. We're going to be talking about, obviously, Live Golf and your experience there, Gary. We're going to have a spit at the end of the show, and we're going to have a tip. Because we're reviewing a putter, I figure the best tip is about putting, and you've got a beauty on it, the art of putting. Are we losing the actual art, A-R-T, of putting? Has it got too scientific? Gary, we've just had the US Open completed just hours before we've recorded this show. Fascinating finish. What? That's one of the best tournaments I've ever watched on TV, and I think a worthy winner. Oh, absolutely. He, he's he been knocking on the door. He's a quality player, great pedigree, former US amateur champion. We probably were all feeling this would happen sooner, but as you know, it's a, it's a tough gig to win out there, but to win a major is just amazing for him. So all this, Gaz, and more coming up on Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Gary, we just briefly discussed the US Open. It's just finished. We've just watched it. A magnificent tournament to watch. A worthy winner, you would say, with Matthew Fitzpatrick. He has been trending. Oh, he's a, yeah, he's a great player. He's a quality player, got an amazing pedigree, former US Amateur Champion. And the thing I enjoyed about it, it was on a real traditional US Open setup. If you look at the history of the game, you look at the British Open, the Masters, the US Open, and obviously the PGA, they definitely had different characteristics. And the US Open with Chambers Bay, there's been a few venues the last few years that has gone away from that classic US Open setup, tree-line golf courses, accuracy off the tee of premium, small, hard, fast greens. So you look at Faldo, Curtis Strange, Andy North was a two-time winner. They have those games for those setups. And this week reminded me of that classic US Open setup, but a real grind and a real um, emphasis on ball striking. It was a bit of a crossover from the old, like you're saying, and the new power game, which is what Matt Fitzpatrick has embraced recently. He's gained 20 yards. Yeah, he's. I think he's gone from 112 clubhead speed to about 116. He's been working with a biomechanist, been working with his coach, just building up his, obviously his ball speed, which is probably more important than clubhead speed. And yeah, he feels that that, that extra 20 yards has is, is given him the capacity to get better looks with his irons, and he's uh, he's definitely shown that. But saying that, the course length is always an advantage if you're accurate, and he's mm. very accurate. Length is important, I think, Gary, with an iron out of out of the like the first second cut of rough, not the wheat, 
Yeah, absolutely. But the stuff where the ball sinks to the bottom and you can't see the ball. Yeah, and, and stats will prove that. The, you know, the shorter you're coming in, shorter iron you've got in your hand, there's no doubt about it. You've got more opportunity to stop the ball or control your flight or you, know, you leave yourself with the best access for the best chip or the best bunker shot. So there's no doubt about it. Uh, he's He's gone from that probably mid-length to slightly shorter to now being mid-length to slightly... He's not he's not gorilla power, mm. but he's definitely doesn't have a disadvantage off the tee now. Mm. Mm. Will Zalatoris, is he going to win? Can he get across the line? What's stopping him, guys? Oh, wow. You know, I watched him play today and I, I saw him, you know, battle it out with Fitzpatrick and none of them blinked. It was like watching that famous duel with Watson and Nicholas at Turnbury in 77. Like those two guys today, it was amazing television. I, I don't get that emotional. And when I watched Fitzpatrick... You know, Wynn and his family come on. It reminded me, um, you know, when I was first with Matt Jones. I don't, I don't sort of, you know, with golf, as you know, you sort of, you're so conditioned to, to just keep your emotions in. I just thought that is just so wonderful for that kid to do that. With Zalatoris, he obviously missed a playoff at the PGA with Thomas. And today he went right down to the wire. I thought that putty oh, he hit on the last, I thought he'd made it. Like he's, he's unbelievably courageous. I did find it pretty insightful, though, when he had a two-shot lead, you know, going down 10, and he hit, like, two or three balls to the right. You, that's that's when he got nervous today. And when he sort of reconfigured himself and got himself back into it, he, he, he fought amazingly well. But he he had that point in the round where he could have taken control, and then Fitzpatrick came back with great birdie. So the bunker shot that Fitzpatrick hit on the last, I think as a golf, we all know that that's one of the most strict shots in golf mm-hmm. there's there's absolutely no room you, you either you get that ball first and he that second shot he hit into 18 was amazing in fact that's one of your drills isn't it it is yeah because that that hitting from a fairway bunker just to oh, absolutely because that there's it's a it's a way of actually finding the bottom of the swing mm. and uh, you'll either sink or swim working on it and i found it interesting he made that comment after the round in the post round interview that he said that that's probably his worst shot. Yeah, yeah, I heard him yeah. say that. Yeah, and he yeah. pulled it off. So, um, yeah, credit to him. It was mm. amazing. Scotty Scheffler, just to finish off on the US Open. Scotty Scheffler is on this extraordinary run. I don't understand it. I, I don't see that he is that much better than than a John Rahm or a Justin Thomas. But he's beating them, beating them week in, week out. He's nearly won two majors. He could have won. You know, he could have won three. Yeah, and he. You know what? He's, it's his time right now. He's obviously that perfect place. Like. Physically, mentally, he's in a great place. He's got a complete game. He's definitely old school. Like if you look at him play golf, he's he's not the sort of the classic, you know, well constructed golf swing. But if you if you sort of break it down and you have a look at it, it's a it's a pretty pretty good action. His short game's astonishing, mm. and yeah, like he's got no weaknesses. Yeah, he does have an amazing short game. Mm. He, he doesn't hit it left. He's, he's not. He can't. Doesn't look like he can hit a hook. He might no. get the odd pull. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's got no brakes on yeah, okay. when he plays. Wow. Extraordinary. Thank you, Gary, on that. We'll, we'll talk about the USPGA briefly, given that it was uh, quite a while ago now, but you were right there when it happened with Matt. Your take, first of all, on the golf course, um, Southern Hills. I was stunned, really. I, Matt played a practice round with Scotty and Cam Smith, and you know, obviously I'm just walking along watching them play, but it was, it was so long, that golf course. It was just, it was just a beast, and, and the... The topography of the greens and the the firmness of the greens and the pin positions, it was just an incredible test. Like there were three par threes that were 
I think there were two seventy yards, two fifty-five yards. Like to see, to see, and it was windy as well. And to see, to see, like Cam Smith and Scotty hitting five woods off par threes. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking I couldn't get a driver mm, on this green. Mm. Like it, it, it was just a, such a strict test of your total game. Like you had to drive the ball unbelievably well. The rough was definitely a factor, and then to have the the accuracy with your irons to stop the ball where they had the pins. Yeah, I was. I, I just thought this course too much, too hard. Well, you know, I mean, it, it becomes unfair, Gary, doesn't it? I mean, you can hit a bunch of great shots and and, and get a bad result. Uh, have bogeys when you could have made birdies. Um, I suppose ultimately it was still a fair golf course, but but the precision you needed, like just to position your ball in the correct side of the fairway, to have an iron shot at a, and get to a pin. And look, when you've got the best players in the world, they've all navigated their way there at the high water mark of the of our sport. And then in that field, you're going to get ten or fifteen guys that have got their A game that week as mm, well. Mm. It doesn't matter, I suppose, how difficult a golf course is. You will get some guys that will still rise to the top, but they're similar guys too. Mm, mm. Like majors seem to to have this capacity to get the best players yep. to get to the top. Their, their game does come out over 72 holes, which is why Zalatoris, for his future, mm, mm. it looks pretty solid. Yep. It looks pretty solid. Mito Pereira. And we were talking about oh, the, the, the great how players sad. rise to the how, top. How sad was that? Like he, he played so well. He... That back nine, he sucked it up. He made some great putts. He was he he almost led the whole way, and to see what happened on the last was just it was this Vanderveld all over again, wasn't it? It was. I, oh, I'm laughing. Guy. I'm laughing because I know what's coming. We've, we've got <laughs> we've got a clip from from the club pro guy. Oh, how funny um, is he? It is funny. Um, you brought it to our attention. Um, it's about his view on what happened, what went wrong <laughs> with that golf swing on the 18th tee of Mita Pereira, and if you've seen it. In fact, have a look at it before you even listen to this because it is, it, it's funny. Let's hear it from the Club Pro guy, Andy. Okay, guys, let's take a look at the driver swing of Mito Piera as he clinged to a one-shot lead on the 72nd hole of the PGA Championship yesterday. First off, Mito decided to pull driver here like he had ice cream in the car. What's the hurry, guys? <laughs> Hitting three wood takes double out of play and at least guarantees you a playoff. So I think in hindsight... A little more discussion with his caddy was probably warranted. But in any event, he went with the big stick, and his setup actually looks pretty good. But as he takes it back, you can almost see him going through his four swing thoughts, which were, don't go right, don't go right, don't go right, and holy shit, a four-year major hit this anywhere but right. As he gets to the top and starts his initial move down, right on cue, we see the face start to fan open ever so slightly as he enters the impact area. At this point, you can almost see Mito mentally dial 911 in an attempt to save the swing, as evidenced by this ridiculous sawed-off finish, but it's way too late. And as the ball sails into the hazard, this walk to the left, Coupled with crisscross legs and a vertical shaft lean is a telltale sign that Mito just realized the prize money between first place and T-third is nearly $1.9 million. Poor guy. It's cold. I'm so sorry. You know what he forgot? It. You, know what he forgot you know what he forgot about? It's probably worth $15 million to win a major in yeah. endorsements yeah, as well. Right. 
<laughs> oh, I shouldn't be. I hope I never. Meet, I hope he never meets me. But is, is hope that, he doesn't listen to him. Isn't that how you played your career? <laughs> no, I played. <laughs> that is my career in a nutshell. <laughs> With the shaft coming up too upright after I've, after I've stepped away and hung my head. Uh, <laughs> guys, we're going to move on to live golf now. Mm. Liv golf. It yep. stands. It's Roman numerals for fifty-four. Yeah. For the listeners that may not have known that, I've wondered what live meant. You were there, mate. This is history-making stuff, isn't it? Did you see it as such? Did you see it as history being made? Did you see it as the entire game of golf fracturing into a million pieces? No. Or did, no what, what's your take, no, mate? No. Look, obviously we we were there, and it was a uh, forgetting about the politics, which has obviously been talked about the actual tournament itself was unbelievably well run it was a great golf course it was set up very strictly almost like a major and very boutique feel to it like 48 players shotgun start as far as um as a spectacle like for the spectators to come to see all the players the whole 48 of them warming up at the same time uh same obviously same tea time and then the crowd sort of dispersed pretty much equally around the golf course it was um i was surprised how well they how for their first event i was surprised how well they organized it and how well they ran the event and it, it felt to me like a a world championship event with a small field or a, a fedex cup event where mm-hmm. they're down to the last sort of 30 players so yeah it had a good feel the players definitely enjoyed it they you could see they were happy being there the um, the quality of golf was good. The only the only thing that I felt was the course. They reduced three par fives to par fours. You're too tough. Too so tough. We, yeah. So when you when you look at when you look at the scoring and you see that players are sort of five over six over seven over, you may get the impression that the you know the players there and the quality of the field wasn't that strong. Mm. But the 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 setup was tough. It was quite windy. So that's the only thing that I felt. They didn't really need to do that. Mm. They, did, they didn't need to because the the par fives that they reduced to par fours, they were they were tough to get home in too, even for you know normal normal ball strikers. So yeah, that's that's the only thing I felt from the event. You'd wonder why they did that. You'd wonder of all the things that they've got right with that, like you're saying. That seems like a massive error of judgment to make that golf course like U.S. Open type stuff, where it's just going to be so hard to knock flags down, and it just so happened. Coincidentally, on that same weekend, it was Rory and Justin Thomas chasing each other down at the Canadian Open where they were shooting the lights out and breaking flagsticks in half, and that was riveting. And it just came on top of this live, you know, which finished the day before on the Saturday. Yeah, and obviously one of the comments was you get all these broken-down 40-year-olds yes. that have decided to play this tour, and then they couldn't fill up the field, so they had to have a qualifying to let in six or eight guys at the end. And then it was like, who are these guys in this mm, field? Like, mm. do they really deserve to be in this field? And then the, then you look at the scoring and it reflected, yep. it sort of added weight to that argument. But realistically, you take 12 off all of their scores. Mm, mm. Uh, or yeah, sorry, nine, nine, nine 54 yeah, yeah. holes. And it doesn't look too bad. Like mm. someone that's seven overs, two under. Mm. So anyway, it was. I felt it was a, it was a really well-run event and had a good feel to it. And it didn't, it didn't have an exhibition-type feel. It still had a tournament feel to it, and it was only the first one, so um, time will tell. I thought the commentary was good. I don't know whether you heard the commentary being there. 
live at the live tournament. I don't, don't know whether you heard much of the commentary. I found it pretty good. Um, yeah, like I looked at I Jerry look, Foltz is, is good. I like yeah, I like Jerry. Like I, I looked at the coverage when I came back home. The criticism I got when I got back home was that the website wasn't that great. Yeah, yeah, like people yeah. finding scores, accessing all the sort of data and the stats you can access on the PGA Tour website. It's yes. it was streets ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and whether that's a teething problem, whether that's something they've got to look at. It will have to be for that product mm-hmm. to, to have some weight. Thank you for your input with that. We're going to now look at this new Cobra putter, but we'll do that right after this. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin. Guys, when it comes to putters, we usually associate companies like Scotty Cameron, Odyssey, Ping, but we're talking this time about Cobra, and they've, they've entered the putter market in a, in, in a big way with a putter called the King 3D Printed Putter. Now, as I said in the intro, I really don't know much about this putter. I have tried it. I did love it. It felt very stable at impact. But I've gone to the experts on all things Cobra, Matt Ettrick. Hello, Matt. Can you please explain to the listeners what King 3D printed putters do and how they're made? Thanks for having me on, Larry. Hope you're well, mate. I'm fantastic, mate. Gary's with me here. Gary Barter. How are you, mate? Super coach. Hi, Gary. How are you? Good, mate. Tell us all about this thing. Um, it's intriguing. Mate, basically, like, the 3D printed, like, the nylon cartridge, right? It's 3D, you know, it's got the lattice structure, which optimises the weight distribution within the putter head, you know, to create maximum stability. It's also got that thick face sort of insert, you know, which utilises for descending loft, basically to ensure the most consistent and accurate roll for every style of putting stroke, Larry. And, you know, that by using it, it comes off the face really well. Yeah, just on the face, what did you call it? It's thick face golf proprietary, and it's right. basically descending loft technology, which utilises the forward descending loft for that consistent putter stroke. So the, the face actually has roll on it from top to bottom. It has less loft on the bottom of the face and more loft on yeah. the top. Just to keep it consistent. For all those different putting strokes, you're well aware of how many people putt differently, you know? So I'm aware uh, of how I putt differently. Yeah. <laughs> so in all that, and that's just the basic of it, mate, you know, and, and look, it's going really well for us. The 3D printing bit, mate, what's that? So the 3D printing bit is just an intricate 3D printed nylon lattice structure which optimises that weight distribution within the putter head for maximum stability through the putter. It's a computer printing out parts of the putter. It almost sounds like NASA stuff. It sounds like it, you could put a, some uh, DNA in it and it could become a, like a human or a robot or something. It's all intricate details, you know, Larry. Nick, we have a lot of different ways, a, a lot of different putters, you know. Like we have the Grand Sport, that's that thin type, you know, the natural sort of, I guess what people would probably call the normal looking putter, the thin sort of putter. Yep. We have other ones with that, you know, the, 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 the Supernova, which is, you know, a, a suitable putter for everyone as well. So there's all sorts of putters that, and all different ranges we have to, to suit all styles of, I guess, putting stroke and all different age brackets as well. With that, that little roll on the face. Yep. Is that, is that obviously will give the ball more of an immediate roll, will it, when you strike it? It's the shaft lean. So if you're leaning the, sh- if you have a big forward press and lean the shaft way forward. Mm. So if you've got a sh- leaning shaft at impact, the top of the putter has more loft to cover it, so it won't, you won't de-loft it, you won't crush it into the ground. So you catch the ball higher on the face. What is the loft, the standard loft? Well, it's for three or four degrees, but three. in this, it, it varies from, Matt, you might be able to help me here, it varies from like one or two up to four, is that right, across the face? Yeah, 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 which utilises the four descending loft. Absolutely, Larry, you're on there. Nice. And what's the material of the face? It's an aluminium cap. We're talking about the Grand Sport at the moment, right? Just We'll take the, the Grand Sport just for, for this conversation. It's got, you know... 286 gram steel frame, a 21 gram aluminium cap, and 30 grams of 
tungsten in the heel and toe to provide that maximum stability as well. What are the acoustics like when you actually strike the putt? What's the sound like? Is it a clicky sound? Is it a dead sound? Is it is it not noticeable? No, it's not really noticeable at all, and that's the it, it, it's not it's not really noticeable at all. You yeah, won't which have is, which it, is it, good. It's the feel, yeah, yeah which and is it's good. the feel that. Yeah, that's what we're getting the feedback on the field. So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting that you can fit that much technology. I'm looking at the Grand Sport 35 here, Matt. Yep. Which, which, as you said, is just like a we we call it blade putter now. It's like the old blade ping putter. answer yeah, for, yeah, for the older yeah, people. Yeah, that maybe Gary's. Yeah, older. that's right, and that's why I didn't want to go into. I tried <laughs> to keep it as simple as possible, you know. And you're looking at it now, and you can see a lot of technology in it. But you mm. know, it, it is good. But when you sit it down, that's the one I had a try of. I was up yeah. in Gosford not long ago and had to try one. And it, you, when you put it down, this looks like a normal blade. But when you look in the back, it is complex. Absolutely. And you can get it in different lengths, Matt. Different types of grips, so you can you can tailor it to to everyone's yeah. um, uh, yeah, distinctive styles. Yeah, you can. Tell, we have an arm lock in that as well. You can differentiate that through everything, you know. So absolutely, we got the obviously the Grand Sport arm lock and and all that. So yeah. Is there much call for arm lock? I mean, we just saw Will Zalatoris nearly yeah. win another major. It varies, and, and people are willing to try. You know. It's, People are willing to try all sorts of things now. So, yeah, we always did. It's always a question, that's for sure, and mm. people like to try it out. Matt, that's Especially fantastic. when they're putting bad, Larry. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, everyone. Best, you know? who, put, who puts well? Do you, you, you don't put well, no, Gary. No, I've no, played no. with you. You don't put well, do you? Or do you put well now? <laughs> yeah, I no, I put right. awfully. You put it right. But since I've, since I've taken the new cob, I'm, pum, I'm putting a lot better. I ask that a lot and I rarely get a positive answer. No, I'm a terrible putter is usually the response <laughs> I get. The level you've got to putt at now too, uh, especially on a career in golf, is, is extraordinary. But there's no doubt about it, the broad range of the golfing community, they lose so many strokes in the putting yeah, game. Yeah. Oh, help me. You've got to putt well to stay in contention a lot of the time. You know, well, If you're not to, putting well, yeah, you're probably... Any 15 marker, if they could dedicate... A bit more time to their putting, they'd probably go down to ten mm. within six months. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's sort of okay. not seen as a exciting part of the game mm. to work on. But as far as scoring, putting is the quickest pathway to being yep. a better score. Nearly drive for show, putt for dough. Oh, God, I hate that cliche. Oh, putting <laughs> is massive. Yeah, it's massive. Putting's massive. Matt, thank you, mate, for all that. You have simplified it somewhat for us, and thank you for that. King 3D printed putters from Cobra. Have a look at one. Go to your nearest Cobra stockist. There's one right uh, here in Barrel, in fact. Uh, Sutton Forest, Mount Broughton, I believe, Matt. Yes, absolutely, you have them. (laughs) Good stuff. Thank you, mate. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Cheers, mate. mate. He's only here to help the world play better golf. So settle back and enjoy this tasty tip from Larry Canning on Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Larry's tip is going to be Gary's tip again this week. You were talking about, before we went on air, the art of putting, and I might have taken the mickey a little bit out of you when you were talking about the art and how I suggested you might have turned into some sort of weird artist with a strange hairstyle and a, <laughs> and a, and a beret hat like a Picasso. But tell us about what you, what you mean by saying, getting back to the art of putting, please. I think that you know, even looking at the coverage today or over the last week of the US Open and the the constant reference that Zalatoris and McElroy are, are putting better and they've gone back to just basically feel the, feel the putt, see the putt. Zalatoris is taking less time over the ball, getting a lot of, getting rid of a lot of technical junk uh, that obviously we all, we all pursue better putting. And, you know, in 2022, there's an amazing amount of diagnostic equipment for putting where we can analyse a stroke, analyse every movement, analyse the face, the path, the angle of attack, how the ball rolls, the dynamics of your speed. And it is enticing to 
look at somebody putt and then figure out a training aid for them. There can be attachments to your putter face. There can be a plane board. There's 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 string lines. There's putting mirrors. There's it's mm. it's it's like looking at Kevin Costner. That's an image I'd forgotten about. Yeah, no, and 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 I'm I'm a golf instructor, and obviously I'm 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 one of the people that that goes and introduces that sort of stuff. But what I found interesting, like McElroy's gone to Brad Faxon, and they sort of always go back to the great putters inside the ropes, and the the great putters are still in that in that balance of the art and the science. The, the great putters are still all about the speed, all about seeing the putt, all about feeling the putt. And I remember Peter Senior said many years ago he, he'd go to the, the, the most, the, the slopiest part of a putting green and put a five cent piece down and just putt and try and drop the ball on the five cent piece. There was, there was no technical mm. application. It was just that, that feel of speed and line. And that, that can be forgotten. Mm. So one thing that did come out of it, looking at the coverage, is that those guys have just got back to, obviously they've got their routine, they get over the putt, and all they can do is execute the putt and let the ball travel. And Faxon, Faxon was famous for saying that um, he was never afraid to miss a putt. And if you look at that comment, I think probably it was 2006, 2007, Faxon he had the most three putts on the PGA Tour, yet he had the least number of total putts. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and that attitude of not being afraid to miss, it gives you like a calmness of just executing, whereas we're all just absolutely terrified. Absolutely. Absolutely terrified. Like you get a five-foot putt and it's like, I've got to make this, I need this for a two-pointer, I've got to make this, this could be a birdie. There's so much junk in our head mm. and that interferes neurologically with our ability to execute like an uninterrupted stroke. Mm. So it yeah, is... It, why is a birdie putt so much easier well, that, or, or harder than a par putt or an eagle putt, for example? If it, ever I had one, that was, I'm talking probably 40, no, 40 no, metres no, ago. Even even now, stats prove that even on the PJ Tour, a 10-foot par putt is made more than a 10-foot birdie putt. Yeah, yeah. There's something about this desperation or application or... it. They seem to have some different mindset of making it. But, yeah, looking at Rory and Zalatoris, who were both – I think Rory led the putting last mm. week. I think he was up there again this week. Yeah, with his ball striking, he, he, he'd be a hard guy to beat. But, yeah, I'm not saying don't get golf instruction because there can be some basic things that, that you, you're not performing. But, but ultimately, even talking to Greg Chalmers, who statistically is one putter. of the best putters on the PJ Tour for many years, and – I s sat down with Greg a couple of years ago at the Australian PGA, or before COVID, maybe three years ago, and I said, mate, what are, your, what are your secrets in putting? And he said, look, I do a lot of my technical stuff away from the putting green. So whether it's mirror work, whether it's looking at what his stroke looks like. But he said, when I walk on the putting green, speed speed's number one because your line, your line is irrelevant yep. unless you've got the speed. Because yep. he said you could have a 15-foot a putt with say eight inches of break, and there could be four or five ways that can go mm -hmm. in depending on the speed. And he said stability. He said so. He 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 feels like he's very very stable from below the waist, and he just works on his speed. And then after that, everything comes together. So, 
It seems to me when you keep talking to the better players, the guys that actually that are inside the ropes, that putt the best, they definitely value just the feel of the putt, the speed of the putt, and they seem to do the best. And how can the average player apply that? I, th- I think I think what I would do, I'd, I'd instead of walking onto a putting green and having four or five balls and standing there from six feet from the hole and just putting one after another, I'd be walking onto the putting green with one ball and having one putt do each hole, whether it be 15 foot, 20 feet, and doing a lot of long putting. Mm. See, a lot of people do a lot of short putting because they feel like that's the, that's the one they want to make and they feel that in a round of golf, they miss a couple of those, they're not putting well. But the reason why they get those those short putts is that they have a thirty footer and they yeah. leave it six foot short. Yeah, yeah. So I'd be I'd be doing a lot of long putting, say between twenty and thirty feet, and I'd also be doing a lot of uphill long putting. Oh, okay. Because downhill, you're getting a lot of the roll for free. Uphill, yeah, you've yeah. got to have a good collision on the putter face, and that will give you a better indicator of your ability to judge speed, but also make good collision on the ball. Mm-hmm. And as as the famous Peter Thompson said, he said, you know, hitting a, a good putt is a, you've got to hit a sweet putt, like hitting mm. a good sweet golf shot. Yep. So that that can be undervalued. Like, look, modern putters now are so good that you can sort of hit it all over the face and you don't get punished that much. Mm. Like those old double eight one threes. Oh, my God. That you and I would use. And how and, light were those things? Have you tried but, one now? Yeah? But even Mickelson was using one in London. Yes. Last week. Yes, yeah. Was like, it? Oh, the old the old Wilson. Oh, one well, now he has an Odyssey, but it but it's it's exactly like yeah, made okay. like the double eight one three, and obviously Norman was a great putter. Mm. He had that putter for underrated a long time. putter, wasn't he, Norman? And chipper, yes. Oh yes, mate, yes. his his chipping and putting was phenomenal, like phenomenal. So yeah, I was watching Mickelson putt with that old bladed putter, and I thought, how good is he? Mm, mm. Yeah, he looked amazing. Me. Thanks, guys. Thanks for that tip. Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin. Gary Spit. <laughs> it's our spit time. Mm. We've been talking about live golf, your experience there. You spoke about your three Aussies in the field. Yeah. Kevin Wan and Blake Windred in particular had a massive opportunity and embraced it and loved it, and hopefully they'll get more starts. Obviously, there's an obvious downside to live, and we've been hearing it from the media, mainly Brandel Shambly, I must say, is mm. probably the leading that, that pack, that charge of very detrimental stuff being said, very personal stuff being said that, that I don't think needs to be said. Um, your views on Saudi Arabia, the sports washing, Put that aside just for a second, and let's just talk about. There's 48 pretty good blokes on this tour. Yeah, I'm great not guys. sure they they deserve what they're copying. What's your view? Yeah, it's, it's surprising with Brandle. Like I've I've listened to him for the last few years, and I've he just loves the history of the game. He's got an amazing mind in regard to all the stats. He's got incredible insights into the game of golf, but he's been really telling them up. Like, he's been really telling them up. But like, he, he called for Norman and Mickelson to be chucked out of the Hall of Fame. Mm. He's been quite aggressive about, obviously, the players just chasing the money, uh, disrespecting the history of the game, mm. disrespecting the PGA Tour, all the opportunities the PGA Tour gave to them. Because fundamentally, as golf pros, we all, we all start out to make our living playing golf. And... You know, whether it's Brandon Grace or Louis or Sergio or, or Westwood... Those those players all started playing all around the world. Like mm. Lee, Lee won our Australian Open here as a kid. Yeah, it's a long time ago, isn't it? Yeah, they beat the at, Shark in the playoff at Metropolitan. Yes. So, you know, for 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 golf pros uh, to have the opportunity 
that was presented uh yeah it was it was the that that has been a constant barrage especially on the coverage mm-hmm. this week at the at the US Open and the players defecting and then obviously we've got to wait for the sanctions at this stage they've just been sanctioned by the PGA tour so yeah what that's that's what i i think i think that that aggression is uncalled for yeah yeah particularly when it gets personal and and i read something jeff shackleford wrote who's a, another very opinionated golf media person and very intellectual very intelligent i, I love reading his stuff but and i haven't got the quote directly in front of me but it was along the lines of lackluster win by big game hunting acred putting has been um in, in, in that's that's just not necessary i mean the, the big game hunting you know america love it so you know why bring that up now anchored putting is he suggesting he's cheating mm. you know um has has been i mean the guy's had a pretty good year this year i mean he's not a has been he won the masters a few years ago he beat the aussies he beat the last four holes which is you know that's an unbelievable way well, he, won he, that he was tournament. actually in contention the masters this year Exactly. Yeah. Great golf swing. Uh, and I don't know the bloke personally. He looks like he's a decent sort of bloke. Oh, they, they, Why I say that? Mm. Because he's playing this league. And he, he wouldn't have said that had he not been, if he'd been playing an US PGA Tour event and won that. He wouldn't have said that. Yeah, I suppose it's Nothing just, to do with Saudi yeah, Arabia. I, I just it? think it's an us versus them mentality now. It's become very combative, hasn't it? Mm. It's, it's like a you know schoolyard bully yeah, type mentality. Yeah, it seems that. Mm. So the PGA Tour, um, do you see them needing to change their, their attitude it, look, it, it might soften it, their it, view it, a bit it might it might stimulate um better purses moving forward on the pj tour it may yeah, it may promote them to look at their model in regard to because obviously looking at their business model and their social media their digital data all the you know all the, all all those other benefits that have come into like in the year two not just 2022 but the last five, ten years, uh, maybe the players will be able to extract a little bit more mm. from that PJ model. Mm. And maybe it might stimulate the PGA Tour to look at how they can... It's not so much promoting, promoting the game uh, because I, you know, you, you, Paul McGinley made a good point how if you talk about growing the game and the PGA Tour could look at sending a US Tour quality field to different parts of the world, mm. like... Uh, once a year, once every couple of years. There was talk, Gary, a few years ago, seven or eight years ago, about the US PGA Championship, the PGA Championship as they call it. Mm. One of the places I know, um, I'm not sure who was in charge of Golf Australia, definitely wasn't um, Watson Sutherland. I, th- I think it might have been Stephen Pitt was having talks with the US PGA about it um, and, the, and the Australian PGA as well, uh, I believe, were, were talking. So it, it, was, it, it was definitely an option. Um, it's, it seems to have vanished, um, but you know, a, a, a tragedy I think for the game that uh, that the PGA doesn't get. But that's that's along the lines of what you're saying, guys. That um, you know, the American Golf PGA Tour is looking very much after them, the American PGA Tour players and the American PGA and the American golf scene. But is it looking outside around the world, as you said? Mm, yeah, I think that I think I th- definitely that that will be the conversation. With their product moving forward, with retaining players, because there there must be there must be something. If you look at a guy like Taylor Gooch, he's yeah. grown, he's grown up yep. American, played college golf, come through their system. He's a young guy. It could be it could be thought of well, he's he's jumped for a lot of money. I don't 
I don't think, and I wouldn't know what what Taylor Gooch would have got, but if you think about it, he's he's pretty. You'd say he's in the first third of his tenure on the PGA Tour. He's in the top ten in the FedEx Cup. Mm-hmm. So, I think maybe with the players that that have joined the Live Tour, maybe it is a little bit of a mini protest on the on how the PGA yep. Tour is run. Whether it's Kevin Nahr or Graham McDowell, or you'd think Graham McDowell would have enough money, major winner, mm-hmm. um, Ryder Cup hero, won multiple times. I'm not sure if twenty, thirty million would after tax. Mm. And I think they get paid 60% up front. I don't think the money is the only thing. There's yeah, got to be yeah. something else there that we don't know about. Yep. And yep. maybe they think maybe they think they will be back on the PGA Tour. Maybe they think if there's a court case. Or the European Tour. Yeah. As we've, as we've yeah, talked about. Yeah. yeah. Like um, I know that Dustin and Kevin Nah they resigned their membership for mm. the PGA Tour. That was, a, that was to make sure they got – game in the majors was it not i'm not yeah i'm not quite sure there's whether it was to gain access back to the pj tour Mm. after extended period of time because they're they're both lifetime um they've got lifetime money yep yep so whether there's obviously there's points of the that there's quite a it's quite an extensive contract that you sign so you Someone like, uh, or any anyone that that gets their PGA Tour card, like we we mm. watch, and you know, they everyone congratulates them. They're on the PGA Tour, but then there's a quite an extensive document mm. they sign mm. that that we're not familiar with what that document is and their obligations the PGA Tour. Mm. So, yeah, moving forward, I did hear that Dustin was joining the DP World Tour. Uh, so, whether that's happened. We'll we'll see we'll see whether whether the European Tour or it's now the DP World Tour maybe that'll embrace these players mm. to to play there. There's a lot coming, isn't it? Mm. It's fascinating. It's intriguing to watch. We just sit back and watch, and I and I hope that uh, just to finish our spit, let's hope that the media the media uh, the Brandles and Jeff Shackleford's just ease up a little bit on these guys because as we said, they're 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 pretty good blokes. They haven't. Yeah, look, they just, they just, they just, they want to make a living playing mm. golf. They've had an opportunity to. It's like anyone um, that can improve their position, and obviously the the financial inducement has been the the critical element mm. of it. But you look at any any new organisation starting, if they want to headhunt good people, mm. they have to they have to pay for it. Thanks, guys. All right, mate. That's Backspin for another show. Um, hopefully, we'll be back very soon talking golf and maybe clarifying some of the direction yeah, that Live Golf is taking. Yeah, it'd be good to see what the uh, when we do the next podcast, what's happened. Yeah, good I'm, on you, mate. I'm, I'm flying out on Saturday to go to Portland, so I'll, I'll get a feel of what it's like on American soil. Yeah, okay. Whether there's any protesters there, what the feeling is, whether there's going to be heckling. Obviously, London was uh, you know a less controversial place to start. Hmm. But the next one in the States will be interesting. Fascinating. Good on you, Gary. Thank you, mate. Well, we'll be talking to you when you get back. Okay, mate. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you, listeners, for doing just that, listening to Gary and I. We love the game and we love uh, talking about it and we'll be talking about it very soon. Thanks again. 